great to uh, come together and um, hear from God's word and uh, that's what we're going to do. So let's pray that uh, God may indeed speak to us uh, and we might hear what he has to say to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God over all things and that you have made your way known to us. We thank you for the way in which you opened the minds of your disciples so that they could understand your scriptures. And we pray, Father, now that you may open our minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may understand you and what you have done for us, that we might live for you and be your people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a great time of year, isn't it? It really is the highlight of the Christian year. Uh, And I hope you had a great Easter weekend and uh, last weekend as we remembered uh, the events that are the very, you know, they they really are the very foundation, aren't they, of what we believe, of who who we are as Christians. Good Friday with Jesus' death on the cross, dying in our place, taking the punishment that our sin deserves. And then Easter Day with Jesus raised from the dead, defeating sin and death and and showing that we can have eternal life in him. Easter is really, it's the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? It really, it's really what we are about in that one weekend. But there is one aspect of Easter that we often overlook and, and that's the ascension of Jesus as he returns to the Father in heaven. Now, that's largely because as an event, uh, we, we don't actually see it for another 40 days after the resurrection when Jesus finally gives his uh, farewells and is seen by the disciples ascending into heaven. Uh, and in a month's time, you know, 40 days from now, you know, it, we've completely forgotten about Easter. Uh, Easter eggs will have been replaced by Mother's Day cards. Hot cross buns will be replaced by burnt toast in bed. Uh, it, it's, it'll be over and done with. In fact, we've already had Anzac Day. We've already moved on in our thinking in lots of ways, haven't we? And indeed, as an event, Luke is actually the only one of the New Testament writers to report that actual occasion. He makes up for it slightly by reporting it twice, Uh, once at the end of his gospel that we read a a moment ago, uh, and then again at the beginning of the second volume, uh, his second volume, the Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to uh, begin looking at that over the next couple of terms. Uh, And so we begin in Acts 1 next week, which is why I chose the Luke reading uh, for us today. For the other New Testament writers, though, the ascension of Jesus is in many ways, well, it's sort of another aspect of the resurrection it's sort of all caught up together see jesus didn't just rise from the dead back to life on earth again he rose from death to be glorified by god and returned to his heavenly existence he didn't just get a new earthly body jesus was given a resurrection body a body fit for heaven and so when people saw jesus after the resurrection they were looking at the ascended, glorified Christ. That's why he appears differently to them. That's why he could appear in a locked room and and disappear from them as well. And so what Luke records for us then is, is not so much the ascension as the final ascension of Jesus, as he finally leaves the disciples with no more resurrection appearances to come. 
Not, of course, that he leaves us on our own. Uh, it's the final ascension of Jesus that makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to be sent in Jesus' place uh, as the way that all Christians can actually have God dwelling within us. But we'll see more of that as we uh, move through Acts. But today I want to focus our attention on uh, what it means that Jesus has ascended. And we're going to do that not in the normal way that we look at a particular passage and, 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 and bring out the meaning from that one passage and, and see what it says, uh, but it would take a fair bit to get too much out of uh, Luke's words here that uh, while he, he blessed them, he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Uh, that would be quite a, a, an effort. Instead, what we're going to do is actually have a look at a whole number of passages that speak about the fact that Jesus has been raised to heaven, that he has ascended and sits at the right hand of God the Father uh, forever. And we'll see what a difference that makes for us here and now. And we'll see in particular that because Jesus has ascended, we are on the winning side. Our victory is assured. Because Jesus has ascended, we have a friend in high places who we can come to and seek help from. And because Jesus has ascended, we have a glorious future where we will be with him forever. You see, Satan's greatest goal, his greatest intent in the world is to keep us quiet. He does not want the message of the gospel to go out. There is nothing more effective for, for, for Satan than to silence the church. And the best way he can do that is to make us feel as though we've got really nothing to say to our world. That, to make us feel that we're out of touch with our society or, or that no one wants to hear about Jesus. And he's doing a pretty good job of it, isn't he? It can feel at times as though we're losing the battle, as though we're already defeated. But nothing could be further from the truth. See, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he is appointed as the victorious ruler over all things. Everything, without exception, even over Satan himself. In Luke's account of the ascension in Acts 1, he describes the event from uh, the disciples' perspective as they see Jesus being taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid them from his sight. Hid him from their sight. That's probably the better way around. <laughs> now, that is actually the same scene that Daniel saw in his vision hundreds of years earlier, only he saw it from the perspective of heaven. And there Daniel records that in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Stands in stark contrast to all the other kingdoms that have risen and fallen, that uh, Daniel's had visions of worldly kingdoms with horns representing the different kings and, and all of them being brought down. 
But now here is the final kingdom. Here is God's kingdom. Here is God's victor, the Son of Man coming and being given all authority and power. That is who Jesus is. Paul picks up this idea in Ephesians 1 where he describes God's great power which God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. Because of the ascension, Jesus is victorious not just over sin and death, but over every authority and power. He sits down at the right hand of God Almighty. Everything is placed under his feet. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is victorious over everything. And this victory isn't just for Jesus. His victory is for us as his people as well. That passage from Ephesians, I I, I cut the last bit off if you are really familiar with that passage. It actually finishes that God placed all things under his feet and appointed to be head over everything for the church, for us. And in the interpretation that Daniel is given about his dream, all the other kingdoms are defeated and the coming of the Son of Man is when sovereignty, power and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the most holy people of the Most High. See, Jesus' victory is for us. We are caught up in it. The Holy Church of God is victorious in Jesus' ascension. God's greatest act is to create a people who are his very own and to give them victory through Jesus. So no matter what Satan or those around us might want to make us think, we are not defeated. We are the victorious people of God. It might not always seem like it just yet, But we are waiting for that day when all the world will see just who Jesus is. The victorious king over all. And when we will be seen to be on that winning side. And until that time, Jesus' ascension gives us help. Because it gives us access to God like never before. See... Jesus is our friend in high places. Have you ever wished you knew someone who worked at Centrelink? Someone who could cut through all the red tape and and actually get things sorted out for you. Or or maybe a friend who worked at a travel agent and and who could put you on to the best deals before they all sold out. Well, we've got better than that. Because the one who sits at God's right hand the victorious ascended Son of God is also the Son of Man who loves you so much that he went to the cross for you. It's the same Jesus who lived as a man, 
who experienced life on earth, who knows our weaknesses and feels our pain. It's the same Jesus who speaks to the Father on our behalf as we pray, who gives us an intimate personal access to God. As the writer of the Hebrew reflects on how Jesus is better than the Old Testament priests, he says that because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. We are able to come to God through Jesus now because Jesus is at God's right hand. Or Paul writes to the Romans about the confidence that we can have in coming to God because Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus is always there. He is always bringing our requests and our needs to God. He is pleading our case, defending and protecting us. So we can pray to God with complete confidence that he hears our prayers and answers them. See, we don't need a priest. We already have the best priest in Jesus. We don't need Jesus' mother or a saint or some dead relative to speak to God on our behalf. Jesus himself is our direct access to God. You know God's Son. And He sits at God's right hand. You can't get closer than that. You can't get a friend in higher places. It begs the question, really, why don't we pray more? Since we have such a mighty access to the God of the whole universe. Well, while the ascension of Jesus helps us right now, he also shows us, it also shows us our own glorious future. Because Jesus, who is fully man, will take us to be with him in heaven. It's what he told his disciples in John 14. There as he encourages and comforts them, he tells them, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. Now, I think Jesus is probably speaking figuratively here. I don't think he's actually in heaven you know, making the beds and fluffing the pillows for us uh, so that everything is ready for when we come. Instead, he has prepared a place for us by paving the way for us. He is the God-man who makes it possible for us as human beings like you and me to be able to get to heaven. And he does it by his death and resurrection as he takes away the punishment that our sins deserve, the things that would have stopped us entering into God's presence. But he also does it in his ascension as he takes our humanness transformed and glorified by the resurrection, but he brings our humanness into heaven itself. He has prepared for us to be there. And his promise is that he is going to return and take us to be with him, 
that we also will be given heavenly resurrected bodies, that we also will ascend into heaven and be with him forever. And we won't be there as second-class citizens. No, we will be clothed in the same glory as Jesus has. As Paul writes to the Philippians, he reminds them that our citizenship, where we really belong, where our home really lies, is in heaven. And we eagerly wait a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So the the ascended Jesus will be us. We will be raised up with him. And it won't be just our bodies. We will be glorified. We will be given that exalted position, as Paul tells the Colossians, Because when Christ, who is your life, appears, he says, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so the ascension of Jesus is the foundation of our hope that we also will enter heaven, that we will be with Jesus in God's place for eternity. And because that is our certain hope and glorious future, then it should transform, it must transform the way that we are now, what we do now. That larger passage from, uh, from that Paul writes to the Colossians begins, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at that right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, where are we headed? Where are we going? We're going to heaven. And if that's where we're headed, then it needs to shape the direction that we head in now. Here, today. It needs to change the decisions we make or the goals that we set ourselves, the way we spend our time and energy, the things we're looking forward to for ourselves and for our children. The ascension should shape the type of person we are, the way that we behave and how we treat others. Every aspect of our lives is to be transformed because we are headed to glory. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we also will appear with him in glory because he is the ascended Christ. So often we just assume the ascension, don't we? Jesus rose from the dead and, and, oh, he went to heaven. It's just another line in the creed. You know, I believe in that Jesus ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But the ascension is actually the climax, the highlight of Jesus' work. It is his crowning moment when he returns to the Father victorious over sin and death. 
It is when he is seated at God's right hand and made ruler over every power and authority. And because Jesus has ascended into heaven, we know that we are on the winning side, that Jesus has the victory. We are able to approach God confidently in prayer because Jesus intercedes for us. And we can live now in light of our glorious future that we too will be raised to heaven and share Jesus' glory. And that that glory is what we are to be living for here and now. Friends, we have an ascended Lord, raised into heaven, seated at the right hand of God in all power and authority. May he be the one that we live for. Amen.